I had one guy, he's 53 years old. He said, he talked to his financial advisor and the financial advisor was like, yeah, you're good. You should be able to retire by your 60s. He's like, that's just not good enough. You know, like, thanks. Any recommendations? No, just keep doing it. Just keep saving away. And uh, he's got $3 million in the stock market. And I'm like, what's your cash flow goal? He's like, 15,000 a month, 180,000 a year. That would be fantastic. I said, how would you like to retire this year? What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time, retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Replace Your Income with Kevin and... Steve. Hey, you got your cue, dude. That was good. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's been a while. I've been uh, out traveling, Kevin. I've been doing some actual work around so, <laughs> the episode we aired last week. I wasn't even on it. I was feeling really sad. I felt like I had to record an introduction so that like people would remember I exist because you and Ryan killed it, man. That was an awesome episode. I just well, barely no, re-listened no, to it. No, you no, guys did no, awesome. Traveling and doing all the work. Kev. Um, I'm doing all of the podcasting now. What's going on? <laughs> it's called I'm retired. Yeah, that's what it oh. is. Oh, is that is that the new podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah replace your income podcast has now become the incomes replaced i'm retired you keep going that's what it is that's yeah right. <laughs> i do have to say so i typically catch maybe two planes a year in the last five weeks i've caught 17 different flights and so I've, <laughs> it, it, it's been good it's been up early it's been staying up late but i, I tell you what I, I really enjoyed the opportunity to get out into each of the markets meet with our teams you know face to face and uh, take another tour of the markets and just spend some time, some good quality time with the teams and and really being on the ground, walking the homes, going through them. Gosh, it just, it really is just amazing to me, the quality of individuals that we're working with and also the quality of the product. You know, over the years, we've bit by bit raised the bar in terms of the product that we deliver to our clients. And that was just reinforced as I had the opportunity to walk through you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of homes that our clients have purchased and or are purchasing and are in the process of being rehabbed. And so it's it just a lot of fun, actually. So it really wasn't much work. I've been, I'm kind of lying there. It was just a lot of fun. So it was all it good. It was stuff. work. It's just the cool kind of work where you get to go walk through homes. That's cool work. Yeah. Uh, yeah that it was, it was, it was um, awesome. So here's the most, I mean, we. I could ask you questions like, what was your favorite part about your trips or which market did you like the best? But what I really want to know is what was your favorite airplane snack? That's what I want to know. Well, there would be two choices uh, between yes. a cookie or pretzels. I always mm -hmm. go with the pretzels. See, did you fly Delta? Because the Biscoff cookie is kind of, I love it. It's one of my faves. Did you fly Delta? Yeah. Did you get a Biscoff cookie? I did choose those a couple of times, but more often than not, I take the pretzels. Okay. Okay. Look, you know what? To each their own. Um, when you're like me, you just go, can I just have both plans? And then you realize, oh, wait, with current restrictions, I have to pull my mask down every time I take a bite. So what's going to require the least amount of bites is kind of, so I can shove a whole cookie in my mouth. So that works. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, honestly, we are so glad to be back with you guys out there. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the podcast. We love you. We hope these last couple episodes where we've been talking to market teams, that that's been really cool. You know, we're going to try to hopefully do more and more of that, as well as more and more client case studies, as well as more amazing, incredible, death-defying, blow-your-hair-off-your-head guests like the one that we've got here today. And I got to tell you, Steve, I'm so excited to have this guy on today because this is a guy who, I don't know, in some ways, I feel like our careers, my career and his career, they've kind of paralleled. They've kind of like run parallel in some regards. Don't you think so, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah. And I've known the who we have on the podcast today is one of the greatest financial minds that I know. Somebody who I have seen this man have success, lose it all, and then build it back better and more ferocious than it ever was because he is a principle-based guy. He is a guy that does it the right way, that serves clients to a tremendous degree. And honestly, every time we go to lunch, every time I hang out with this guy, I'm just blown away by how his mind works and how freaking intelligent he is when it comes to matters of money. And so we have the founder and owner of Money Ripples, my good friend of what, maybe, I don't know, 15-ish years, Chris Miles here. Chris, what's up, man? Man, Kevin, like I've done hundreds of interviews and that probably had to have been like the like most heartfelt best introduction I've ever gotten. Like, well, man, dude, you're going to make me cry. It's crazy. <laughs> well, bro, it's true. And you know, I love you. And you know, maybe it's because you're not just a guest on a podcast. You're a friend. You're somebody that Steve and I value very much just in terms of who you are as a human, as well as who you are as a professional. And so I did, I know you get a lot of interview requests. I know you have a wildly popular podcast that is, is your podcast called Money Ripples? The Chris Miles Money Show. Yep. Oh, the Chris Miles Money Show. That's right. Your company's Money Ripples. That's right. And yeah. I know that you get, so the Chris Miles Money Show, I know that you get hundreds of thousands of downloads. And so the fact that you would take a little bit of time to be able to come hang out with us today means a lot. And by the way, just because we're doing a podcast interview today, does not mean you can get out of going to lunch with me again soon, just to be clear. <laughs> this doesn't count, huh? <laughs> no, this does not count. There's no food being consumed. I, consume. I can't pull out coke. my own little airline snacks and just start eating <laughs> on the air or anything like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man. But honestly, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. You know, just to tell everybody, our paths kind of, I guess, merged literally probably maybe not 15, maybe like 13-ish years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Chris was a big part of a company that we had started to do a little bit of work with. And Chris and I just, I think, found a kindred spirit in mm -hmm. one another, even though we focused and primarily did different things as our core business. You know, there was, I remember, I remember Chris, I think he came with me on one of my first ever 20-mile runs when I was training for a marathon. And uh, by the way, Chris and Steve, I would just say, I'm glad you're not running consistently right now, Steve, because if I knew how fast and how far you were running like you used to, Steve, it would depress me. But I do know how fast and how far Chris Miles runs now because we're friends on the little app that like tracks your runs. And he goes a lot further and a lot faster than I do. But I am running a half marathon this weekend, albeit a slow one. Nice. Yeah, I'll be doing a 10K oh, this weekend too. Nice. Are you doing Mount Nebo? You aren't, are you? Uh, yeah, actually, I am. Dude, that's the half marathon I'm doing. I'll see you there. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I won't see you because you're going to finish your 10K and I'll be to about mile two. 
by the time you finish your 10k so <laughs> but uh but no i you know chris thank you so much for joining us and uh, steve and i were really excited to have you as a guest just because of your level of expertise maybe do a more deep dive introduction on who you are chris and what you do i know that you work with a ton of very well qualified and very wealthy individuals and i know you've you've done live events in the past you have this incredible podcast chris miles money show you work with high net worth individuals and help them really maximize their cash flow and their dollars. But tell us a little bit more about really what you do and, and what your business is. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm an anti-financial advisor, man. Like I've been doing the opposite of what's being taught out there, you know, because almost 20 years ago, I started out as the mainstream conventional financial advisor, right? Teach people how to save everything, spend nothing, save it in mutual funds, save it forever. And hopefully someday you have something. But the problem is after three or four years of doing that business, I started to see evidence because I like evidence. I'd like to know that things work. And after time, I started to realize that a lot of the clients that had decades of financial advice, they weren't financially free. And even the financial advisors weren't. In fact, I remember I had a, and at the end of 2005, right between Christmas and New Year's, um, I called up one of my friends, Doug, right? And Doug actually had to hire to be a financial advisor, but then quit to go do real estate investing with his dad. And I thought, all right, good luck. We'll see how you do in a few months. So four months later, I give him a call thinking, okay, he's going to be broke. He's going to want to have work with me again. I was completely wrong. This guy was like rocking it. And he's telling me, he's like, man, real estate's been awesome. I've doubled my dad's income as a professor at the local university. I'm like, come on, that's, that's too good to be true, right? You can't do that in the, in the real estate game. You know, besides real estate doesn't do well as, as stocks. And so we had this debate about what's better, stocks or real estate. And he finally stopped me and said, Chris, how many of your clients are really financially free where they don't worry about money? Not just retire, but they don't worry about it. And I said, well, even the retired ones are watching CNN. So if they're watching that news station, no, everybody worries. So everybody, yeah. And this guy all is falling right now all around you. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, they can never have peace of mind. So I'm like, well, none, none of them are financially free. He's like, well, good job, Chris. Way to go. He's like, all right, well, how about this? If anybody's got it figured out, it should be you guys as financial advisors. So how many of you are financially free, not off the commissions that you've been earning, but actually doing these mutual funds? And I thought about it. And I even thought about the guys who've been working in our office since the late 70s. And I said, well, none. And maybe this one guy is. And I found out he wasn't either. And so he's like, well, there's your problem. I said, well, give me the answer. He's like, no, I won't. You just got done arguing with me why real estate sucks. So I said, fine, I'm open. Give me something. He's like, if you're serious, listen to this you know, local radio show on, on AM radio that these two real estate investors were putting on and go get the book, Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki. And so got that book, you know, got the audio book. So listen to it, read it in three hours, right? Basically sum it up for you guys. Mutual funds suck, right? In case you didn't already know this by this point. And then, and then of course, on, I started- you should have put an advisory warning. That might've been, we should have had a trigger <laughs> warning there before you said that. I used the S word. It's a four-letter <laughs> word. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, pretty much mutual funds stink. And I knew that, right? Because I, I knew that the real returns of the stock market weren't what they were claiming it to be. Everybody's claiming average returns, but not actual returns. And when I realized that their actual returns are between 7 and 8% in the stock market, I was like, well, wait, that's kind of depressing. I run numbers and calculators for people, and either I'd have to put in a lot more money that they weren't planning on putting in, or two, I'd lower inflation down to like zero. You know, it's just to hope that they'll have enough money in retirement. 
But what switched for me was in 2006, of course, as I started to learn about real estate is that the big difference between what you learn with, you know, doing the stupid 401k with a match, which by the way, is impossible. It won't work. The numbers do not work to create real financial freedom. You know, it just doesn't work. Give you an example. Say you happen to save up a million dollars into your 401ks, your IRAs. Now, the old adage 20 years ago used to be the 4% rule, right? Is, hey, whatever you have in those mutual funds, you know, your retirement accounts, you can live on 4% a year and you shouldn't run out of money. But even when I was an advisor, even up till 15 years ago, we we're saying, well, maybe because with everybody living longer and the rates going down, especially with bonds and treasuries and things like that, that people usually retire on. If those are lower and people are living longer, we should probably make that number two or 3%. Now think of this, you have a million dollars, you are a millionaire and now you're living on 20, 30,000 a year before tax, right? Now you're like, you're living below the poverty line. You're a broke millionaire. You might even be able to get milk at the store from time to time. That's how good it would get. Exactly. Now contrast that with what you guys do, right? Like say somebody gets even just a conservative 10% cash on cash return on their money. That same million dollars, now it doesn't create an income stream of 20 to 30,000 a year before tax. Now it's creating a most likely a tax advantage where you get to keep all this money of about $100,000 a year. And when I started to see that, everything in my life changed. It was like, whoa, I can see the difference. I was seriously so excited because I'm like, this works. And that's where for me, like through residual streams income, my business, and even through like real estate and things like that. Later that year, 2006, I was oh, 28, almost 29. I was able to become financially independent with my passive streams income exceeding my expenses. Now, granted, it was cheap back then. I only needed 3,500 bucks. It wasn't hard to do. And you mentioned, of course, how to go through the recession. That's a whole nother conversation of going yeah, right. from millionaire to upside down millionaire, having to dig that's out right. of that hole without filing for <laughs> bankruptcy. But was able to come back out on top, whereas financially independent again the second time by the end of 2016. So I always tell people like, they're like, wow, you did it twice. I'm like, that's nothing to brag about. It means I screwed up the first time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I did real estate wrong because I was gambling with my real estate. I, I went from the focus of cash flow to appreciation, try to bank on that. And that's dumb. You don't want to do that. No, that's awesome. And your, your story really is really cool just from the standpoint of and I think you bring up a good point too, which is, and I don't know how often, I don't think Steve, we've talked too much about this, but one of the reasons why we like real estate is we do real estate. We try to do real estate in a conservative way. We do single family residences primarily because they're in the most demand. If there is liquidity in real estate, it's in single family rentals more than maybe some other things. And, and there's just a little bit more of a conservative nature when it comes to single family residences, which is why we say we're trying to help people replace their income one property at a time over time as opposed to sort of overextending and maybe getting too much real estate. You know, there, there's times when some of these commercial guys and stuff, they get really upside down really quick. Not the yeah. commercials back. It's just, I love your story because it's one thing to talk about getting to the point of income replacement or financial independence. And it really is another thing to keep it. And with real estate, no matter how conservative it is, if you do real estate or any sort of, if you have a financial tool that's generating income for you and you feel really confident and really good about the life that you've got. If you're not a wise steward of those things which you've built and which you have and don't continue to move the ball forward, you may lose some of what you've built. It's not a foregone conclusion that once you achieve some level of income replacement or financial independence, that it's going to be there forever. You can still spend your way into trouble or recession your way into trouble if you know you just have to be careful. And I know that's one of the things that you're really good at teaching people too, Chris, is that 
real estate's an aspect of it, but there's other things that people can do to try to protect their money, to try to protect their wealth so that they can, they, they're not having to rely on traditional financial institutions or banks, but they can take a more controlled, measured role in their own financial life to create success. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because it's something that Steve and I have not talked a ton about with Replace Your Income listeners, but I know it's something you're an expert in. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, after the last recession, my mantra became boring is sexy, right? The more boring investment, the sexier it is to me. And also, do you think we could tell, I'd like to also say bald and chubby is sexy. That's just more (laughs) personal. So if we, is that cool? Can we just throw that in there as well? Yeah, that's right. The more bald, you know, bald, (laughs) chubby and boring it is, the sexier it is, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm going to be sexiest man of the year. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true, like, uh, because, you know, I got caught up in the trap, like a lot of people do when they're young. And we're seeing this in the marketplace today, right? Because it doesn't matter. Right now, the danger I see is that everything is going up. Everything is increasing in value, right? It doesn't matter if you're in stocks, real estate, crypto. I mean, even that, like even stuff you can gamble in is making money right now. And that's a danger because what happens if people get lazy, right? We, we forget the principles that really create wealth. And so we get lazy and we start gambling. We start banking on those values going up. What I learned from last time is that I, I did the same thing in 2007, right? Or 2006 to 2007 is that I started the right path. I started going for the cash flow. I was focused all on how do I get myself out of the rat race? Well, when I did that, then I was like, yeah, but how can I make more money? How can I start, you know, hitting home runs to just these base hits? And so I started thinking rationally in my mind, I thought, well, if I buy a hundred thousand dollar house, it appreciates 10%, I make 10 grand. But if you buy a $500,000 house, and it grows 10%, that's 50 grand. So let's go big or go home. And instead I went big and lost my home, right? <laughs> I foreclosed on it because I was trying to hit the home runs. I just struck out. And, and that's a big problem that I see is that people are banking on appreciation. Even people are flipping properties are getting lazy because the market's been so friendly that they can you know, absorb higher costs and they can do this or that. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself quickly in a hole when things start to balance out. And uh, that's why I say boring is sexy. Like I don't fall for the whole trap. Someone says, hey, you can make a $50,000 on a flip of a property, which is great if you can do that. But that's a transactional thing. That's a one-time thing. You got to repeat over and over. You can actually create your own rat race by being an active real estate investor sometimes. Whereas a passive investor, and even my friends that are active investors, they're starting to realize their only way to, they can create freedom is by being a passive investor, by getting rentals, you know, by taking some of those, you know, those cherry picking some of their best properties and keeping those in their portfolio. So they actually have passive income. So I don't think $50,000 is sexy. I think it's cool, but sexy to me is like, Hey, can I make three or 400 bucks a door? That's sexy. Yeah. Especially if you could do it again and again, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. the point you bring up just kind of the passivity being a real indicator of building wealth. Sometimes I think people look at a couple hundred dollars a month and because it's not sexy, they think, well, I'm not going to do that. I mean, we get mm-hmm. we hear that from people all the time, right? And I'm sure I'm sure yeah. you do too. As you start to work with clients and you start to transition them into looking at things like real estate or some of the other financial tools and instruments that are out there that are also just unbelievable. There's only a handful, in my opinion, and I'm far from an expert. You're the expert, but there's only a handful of financial tools that I think really do for us what we expect all the other ones to do for us, right? Yeah. Um, and and real estate's one of those, and I think some insurance products are another way that we can approach that. 
And but I think that, you know, there's just a lot of people that they want the flash, they want the sass, they want the big hit, and they think that that's what's going to set them up for success. But we get a lot of people that are like, ah, I mean, you know, 200, 300, 400 a door, I don't really know. But mm-hmm. for me, the question is always, and I know you talk about this, Chris. Yesterday, I was on a call with a guy, great guy. It heard us on the radio. We advertise on a national radio, big national radio show. And this guy, he was just, he was impressed with the company who came and looked at the website and, and was very appreciative of kind of what we do. And he's a millionaire, okay? Mm-hmm. Meaning he has about a million dollars that he has worked incredibly hard to save and put away. And he's, he, it's all in stocks and annuities. Mm-hmm. And, but he's calling us and he's going, I've done, I'm 60, I've done this thing and worked really hard to great create this, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough. I don't know if it's going to do mm-hmm. what I want it to do. And he does not currently own real estate. And so he's looking at it. And his big thing was he wanted to know if he allocated two or $300,000 to real estate, what would that look like in five or seven years when he is to the point of really kind of wanting to be retired? And so we talked through that plan and talked a little bit about what that would look like. And, you know, the initial conversation is, okay, I mean, you know, one piece of real estate may not feel that impressive. I mean, when you look at what your total mm-hmm. out of pocket is and what your cash flow is, but when you put it in the context of it's not just that cash flow, but yeah. we're also talking about depreciation, we're talking about tax benefits, we're talking about principal pay down, we're talking about appreciation, we're talking about hedging inflation, we're talking about all of these things that real estate does. All of a sudden now, the percentage returns of real spendable dollars becomes exciting as yeah. opposed to just initially thinking, okay, two, three, four hundred a door, not that exciting. It's true. I talk to those same people, you know, like uh, people that are, I had one guy, he's 53 years old. He said, he talked to his financial advisor and the financial advisor was like, yeah, you're good. You should be able to retire by your 60s. He's like, that's just not good enough. You know, like, thanks. Any, any recommendations? No, just keep doing it. Just keep saving away. And uh, he's got $3 million in the stock market. And I'm like, what's your cash flow goal? He's like, 15,000 a month, 180,000 a year. That would be fantastic. I said, how would you like to retire this year? Because seriously, <laughs> with the cash you have, even after taxes, and we try to do some things to minimize taxes and whatnot, right, in that planning. But like, even after that, we can actually get you over two hundred to 300000 a year, you know, with the cash that you have available here. And he's kind of like, well, I don't want to retire right now. I'm like, that's great. Like even better, yeah. you know, like right. you, now you can literally say you work because you want to, not because you have to. Right. Yeah. And it's true. Like they, people don't see the full returns. Right. Because I mean, and when I talk to my clients, we're talking about all kinds of options. I mean, we do talk about turnkey a lot because that's kind of like, you know, we'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Why that's probably one of the better assets you could ever be in. But I mean, we talk about syndications and put money in there. You could do short term or long term lending. You can do notes. You can do, you know, land partnerships and stuff, you know, where you're trying to do things there. I mean. There's even oil investments you can do. I mean, there's lots of different things you can do to help you get there, but it's got to match up with your goals of where you're trying to get there. Like, for example, I don't want somebody to do a long-term investment if they have a two-year goal to be financially free. You know, like you don't want to have to wait five, six years for that money to come back. You know, that's, that doesn't make sense. But I'll tell you, like, you know, with real estate though, especially with turnkey, how awesome is it where you could be hands-off, right? And be just manage the property managers essentially, you know? I'll give you an example. My Memphis property I bought three years ago. I mean, that, and I know you guys are in the Memphis market too. You know, Steve, you just got back from there. And in Memphis, like it was pretty decent. I bought a house for 134000 and uh, it was cash flowing about 380 bucks a month. So it was about a 13 to 14% cash on cash ROI, right? After 
all my costs are paid, you know, including property management fees, mortgages, everything. Well, the cool thing is that now three years later, now the cash flow is up near getting up towards 500 bucks a month because we've raised rent, right? On top of that, there's been appreciation. So it was 32,000 out of pocket with closing costs, but now it's made it another $90,000 above and beyond what I've put into it. You do the math on that three years, making 90,000 from 32,000, that's like a 280% return. Now, even if you took out the appreciation, right? Say it just stayed flat. Still, I would have a $20,000 return. $20,000 even on 32,000 is about about a 65% rate of return, right? That's still amazing for three years. I mean, yeah, in that time frame, you can't sustain that kind of growth. There's nothing your financial planner, if you say, hey, can you give me a, you know, 20, 30% rate of return on my money? They're going to say, I can't guarantee any of that. You know, maybe you might have a year that does it, but, you know, the average, you know, they'll say like 10, 12%, but the true, the actual average of the stock market in the last 30 years has been as of this last week, 8.4% when I calculated it, right? That's the real rate of return before taxes. But this money I'm getting, I'm not paying taxes on it. Like that's incredible. That actually makes the return higher when you talk about tax adjusted returns and everything. So it's incredible, man, like what you can do. And, and by the way, when, yeah, when I used to talk about using leverage, like when I leverage my life insurance to go buy these properties, I'll usually, and I'm loaning it at 3.25 while getting paid almost six. I'm now making an extra three to 4% compounded return on top of the returns I was already making on these properties. Okay. You just touched on something that is a really profound principle and not something that we've talked much about. You said that you are using your life insurance policy as a way to leverage mm-hmm. and buy real estate. That's something that we've not talked a lot about. It is a strategy that does exist and a lot of uh, successful folks are taking advantage of it. Will you just touch on what that is? Basically, we, we haven't really talked too much about it. I know it's something that Steve and I both have studied a lot, have mm-hmm. utilized, but we just haven't talked much about it because it's not our core business, but yeah. I know that it's a big part of your core business. Do you want to just touch on that? Because I think, you know, with a tease like that, I think people's ears probably perked up and they're going, wait, what? What did he just say? He's like, wait, that you're supposed to die with that stuff. What, what's going yeah. on here? <laughs> so uh, there's a concept out there. It's pretty popular called infinite banking, right? Here's the thing. Like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, poo-poo all over infinite banking all the time. And for good reason, because for the most part, infinite banking policies suck. I remember I bought one 15 years ago thinking it was the greatest thing. And the conceptually it is, but the fees were so high that I ended up losing it when the recession hit. I ended up paying 25 grand into it and got nothing out of it. So rule number one is even if you look at infinite banking, you look it up online, they're not all equal. They're not all the same. Most of them are set up in a crappy way. But here's the concept of how it works, especially what I I call it more of a max ROI infinite banking policy, which is this becomes a tax-free supercharged savings account. Because if most of the time what we do is we just take our money we have a checking or savings account, and then we buy our real estate, period. And then we get the returns from the real estate, and that's it, right? Here, what I do is I take that money, instead of putting directly in the real estate, I funnel it through my life insurance. I, I able to let that go in there and, and have this tax-free protection. And in most states, by the way, it's protected 100% from lawsuits and creditors. You could have millions of dollars in here, and they can't touch your money, other than the IRS, because they can get to anything, right? Even your Cayman Islands account, they can get to, believe it or not. Uh, so anyways... So yeah, I get this money in there, the cash is in there, but I now borrow the cash as like a little line of credit, right? It's almost like doing a HELOC from the insurance company. I borrow it to go and invest. Now, why would I do that? Why would I pay interest? Well, the difference is like with a HELOC, you just pay interest. 
But over here, they're paying you tax-free dividends, usually to the tune of like 5 to 6% a year that they're paying you. Now, when you borrow, you might borrow about 5%. Um, I even get, as you get more cash in there, you can even borrow from banks that I'm getting at 3.25% right now. But even if it's at 5%, it doesn't matter because it's compounding faster than the interest they're charging you. So they're charging you less interest on that money while you're still making money on the full amount. So what happens is that now, instead of just taking money out of my savings account that earns point nothing percent, and then I get taxed on that teeny little point nothing percent, now I'm making five, six percent tax free. I'm borrowing it. I can use that cash flow from the properties to go and pay back towards that line of credit, just like you would do with a HELOC, right? Like some people talk about velocity banking with their HELOCs. Very similar strategy, but the difference is here is that this line of credit is actually paying you money, giving you this ability to double dip. You make money in two places at the same time. So that's why I say like, even if I get a cash on cash return on a property of 12%, I'm able to net another three to 4% on top of it by using my life insurance instead of just using my savings account. I love that. And one of the things that goes along with everything you just said, using a life insurance policy in that way, is when you leave this earth, there is a there's a massive death benefit potentially that can go to your loved ones, right? You were talking yeah. about the living yeah. benefits. A lot of people don't realize there's living benefits that come with with certain type of financial tools like these infinite banking or max ROI type of life insurance policies, but there's also death benefits, right? There, there's mm-hmm. that as well. It's just kind of a cool way to utilize just additional financial tools that are out there. And this is a question I'm curious on, Chris, mm-hmm. as we're kind of like rolling towards the end of the episode, you have all these high net worth individuals you work with, you have all these successful folks that you work with. What do replace your income listeners need to know? These are the two things I'd love for you to kind of address. Number one, what should they be aware of or be leery of with traditional financial planning or financial advisors? Mm-hmm. And number two, why do you recommend real estate? I know we talked a little bit about it, but I'd love just kind of a summary for you why you recommend real estate to your clients. So number one, what should replace your income listeners be leery of or weary of or wary of or some other eerie word um, of when it comes to financial planning or financial advisors? And then why real estate from your from where you sit and, and the way that you look at the world? Yeah, the thing to be leery of is that here's the question to ask every financial advisor. Are you financially free even if you don't get paid any more commissions? That's the biggest question to ask. Like, are you financially free doing this stuff? Especially if they're older and they've been in the business a while. Because, hey, you guys should be the experts. You should have it figured out by now, right? But I will tell you this. The thing you should be leery of is that to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Financial advisors can only offer, I call it Mexican food, right? Like, it's really Mexican food in the financial world. You think about Mexican food, right? It's always the same. It's like lettuce tomatoes, beans, meat, cheese. It's always the same ingredients. But every, everything, hungry, whether it's a burrito, way. a taco, tostada, quesadilla, it doesn't matter. They're all just repackaged differently. That's what financial advising is. It always comes down to mutual funds and insurance annuities type of stuff. That's it. That's all they offer. And like I said, lackluster returns with high risk. You have high risk with lower returns. Like I said, the market itself, and most people don't even get the market returns of 8.4% last three years. That's not impressive. That is not enough to retire on, especially with inflation being so high, much higher than the government claims. You can't do it. You just can't. And trying to live on 2 or 3%, like I already illustrated, it just doesn't work. So understand that their perspective, they've been brainwashed. Financial advisors are very good intention, good hearted people. I was too. 
but we've all been brainwashed by these financial companies to tell you to keep your money with them, let them make money off your money, guaranteed cash flow off your money, while we just let it sit there and hope that it does something someday. That's why real estate is awesome. To transition to your second question, right? The second question is, is like, why, why real estate? Well, it's for that very reason why those companies will never invest their own money in the stock market. They want the guaranteed return. And the thing is like, yeah, real estate's still not guaranteed, but what other asset class has been known to create millionaires? I mean, other, it's always business owners and real estate. If you look at the Forbes list, that's what they all have in common. Usually it's both. And so when you look at this, you realize that even the people in just the millionaire stats, people that are free, have some real estate as part of their portfolio. Sure, they might have some stocks too, but the stocks is not what makes you free. And I know because I had an options trader hire me as a coach to teach him how to create passive income because he couldn't become free as an options trader, teaching people how to trade options, be successful in options trading. There's no cash flow there. It always comes back to income. That's where there's freedom. That's why my, my shirt says cash flow equals freedom, right? Because when you have regular, stable, predictable income coming in each month or each quarter, each year, that's where the freedom comes. You don't need millions of dollars. It's not about how much you save. It's what that money's doing. So net worth is worthless unless it's turning into cash flow. Like that guy that had $3 million in the market. Unless there's cash flow, he still felt broke. That's the main thing that real estate offers. And it's so much more predictable, lower risk with higher returns than anything you get from your stock markets, your 401ks or IRAs. Nothing can compare to that. Nothing. And I always think of this too, when it comes to real estate, everything you just said, plus it's a tangible asset. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> it's, it's real. It's not dollars reflected on an account balance that you can pull up online. This is real, tangible. These are, I always say, cold, hard, spendable dollars. You know, you can actually buy milk with these dollars. And so, yeah. and I just think that, uh, you know, without having to deplete an account balance or, or get taxed on money that you pull out of an account before you go to the store, right? I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's such a cool approach. I, I love that, Chris. And I, I appreciate you joining us today. Steve, any final thoughts or questions for Chris before we let him go? I should tell you what, I've just been sitting back soaking all of this in as though I were kind of on the other side, just kind of listening to the to the conversation. Chris, you're, you really are a wealth of information. And a lot of this stuff, I remember way back in the day, just hearing it, understanding it. And to get this kind of refresher has been very refreshing, to, to tell you the truth. And, and gosh, you know, this, this concept of the, the infinite banking, it really is powerful when, and it's like, our company, right? There are many turnkey providers out there and not all are created the same. There are many individuals like, like yourself, Chris, that, that offer infinite banking and you're not all created the same. You're not using the same types of, of policies and, and uh, the real killer in that, you know, that whole scenario are the premiums, right? And when you can get that mm -hmm. side of it figured out, that's when it becomes super powerful. And, and you've obviously done exactly that. So anyways, I've just enjoyed sitting back listening to both of you, actually, and, and especially you, Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You That's notice that he said, I've really enjoyed listening to both of you, but especially you, Chris, because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I mean, Kevin, well, shush I, you it. Know, honestly, Kev, I, I enjoyed listening to you as well. Like you, you brought some really good insights today. And uh, hey, hey, I, I'm, I'm owed a few every now and then, right? <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm just giving you, you our time. Fantastic job as well. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, I love you, man. It's, it's awesome. nice to hear this in reverse, Kevin, because when you spoke at one of my events, that's exactly what happened to me. Like people are saying, that was such a great event. Kevin was awesome. 
Chris, you're okay, but Kevin was awesome. You know, like that, that, you know, I, I could get over that for years. <laughs> I have to, I just have to tell everybody, you know, if you listen to replace your income, you guys know that, that I wrote a book a number of years back called flip the gratitude switch. That is a big part of my life. The first time I ever got to speak about flip the gratitude switch, which at this point I've probably delivered, I don't know, hundreds of messages, keynotes on flip the gratitude switch, if not close to a thousand, I don't know how many, but the first one I ever gave was because my friend Chris Miles invited me to his event. Chris, you invited me to your event and you let me talk about Flip the Gratitude Switch. And I still have friends and contacts today that I met, I'm thinking of the Marshalls specifically, who were at your event, who have been such a tremendous supporter. They've had us on their podcast talking about real estate as well as talking about gratitude and and others that I connected with because you gather great people to you, Chris, because of who you are and what you do. Tell everybody where they can gather to you. How can they find you? What's the best way to learn more from your brilliant mind? Yeah, two easy places. Either one, you go to our website, moneyripples.com. You can go there and there's lots of free resources, including an ebook, Beyond Rice and Beans, which are ways to free up cash today. And then second place is, you already mentioned, the Chris Miles Money Show. You can follow on iTunes, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. And I actually, guys, you maybe have heard Chris's voice on this podcast before because we did re-air an episode that I did on the Chris Miles Money Show a while back. But Chris, I'm thankful that we had you live and in color today and that you shared your wisdom. And we'll have to have you back, man. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of so many things that we could talk about and so much value that you could provide. So thank you, brother. Thanks for your friendship, for who you are. And thanks for coming and spending some time with us on Replace Your Income. Such an honor, man. Thanks. All right, everybody. Well, that's the show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And a big thanks to Chris Miles. And we're so glad to have Steve back in the office. And uh, it's good to be with you, Steve. We've got more episodes coming, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one. As always, please rate, review, and share the podcast. We appreciate it. It helps us more than you know. Every one of those five-star reviews means the world to us, and we see every single one. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week. See you. Thanks so much for listening to Replace Your Income with Kevin and Steve. Do you want to connect with us and other income replacement rangers out to obliterate the status quo and experience real retirement with income replacement through real estate? Type Done For You Real Estate USA in your Facebook search bar and make sure to like our company's page. Send us a message while you're there and I'll send you a personal hello and make sure you're on our weekly property scouting emails where you can view weekly deals right in your inbox. Until then, thanks so much for joining us on Replace Your Income and just remember, income replacement for you and your family may only be one property away. See you next week.